Amen, indeed. Thank you. Well, good morning. For those of you who are new to First Evangelical Presbyterian Church, welcome. Uh, if you are not new, welcome. Uh, my name is Seth McCormick. I have the privilege of uh, preaching here before. Uh, got to know Pastor Bob through his wife, Julie. Uh, glad to see Julie this morning. Always fun to catch up with her. Um, I have some exciting news from our family front. Uh, I took a new position uh, as of June 20th. I'm moving to the hospital. Uh, so if you need chaplaincy services over just down the street, uh, you'll have to look me up. I'll be there Monday through Friday, 8.30 to 5. It's been five wonderful years uh, with hospice, uh, but a position came open and it was time for a change. So I am excited uh, for this new season and would be grateful for your prayers uh, if you think about it. Uh, so thank you for having me back today. Thanks for not throwing any rotten tomatoes at me in times before, and uh, hopefully that pattern will continue. I will admit that uh, this short little passage that we're going to be reading today from the 16th chapter of the book of Acts is a favorite of mine. From a spiritual standpoint, this was the first scripture passage where I sensed God, not audibly, but God speaking to me through his word. And from a personal standpoint, this passage had a direct experience, a direct impact on my personal call to the gospel ministry. Um, so allow me to explain. I was a college senior at the time, and I was trying to discern what God was calling me to do. I was uh, in college at Calvin College in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, I had grown up in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, so being from the upper Midwest, I'm on where? Okay, good. Uh, being from the upper Midwest, or being from Ohio, going to school in the upper Midwest, upon graduation, I was looking to get out. I wanted to go somewhere, experience some new adventure, and so I was praying that the Lord would lead me out west, out to the mountains, Montana, Colorado, Idaho, something different. The year was 2002, probably sometime in the fall. I was uh, actively applying for positions, trying to figure out uh, where the Lord was going to lead next, feeling that pressure to get resumes and cover letters out there. And my goal was to go somewhere rugged, somewhere new, somewhere adventurous. I wanted to be able to hike, wanted to be able to ski, I wanted to be in the mountains. But I also wanted to serve the Lord. I wanted to be doing some sort of uh, kingdom-building uh, gospel ministry. Uh, one of the summers during my college career, I'd served with a Christian ministry in the national parks out in Custer State Park in the Black Hills of South Dakota and had a, just an incredible experience. Um, and so I'd, I wanted to be out west. Uh, there's that cheesy Christian music song, I Go West, Young Man, and uh, that, was, that was my desire. But I'd also spent a year of my college experience as a resident assistant, uh, working on a men's, in a men's residence hall. Uh, I had a, a group of 40 guys that I was responsible for. Uh, led a Bible study with them, would go to meals with them, talk with them all hours of the day. It was a very incarnational ministry. 
and loved doing that with them. And so was wanting to find a way to, to possibly do that as a, a full-time position after college. And there were lots of different great campus ministry organizations, and one in particular that I kept hearing about was the Coalition for Christian Outreach, uh, based out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Again, it was an incarnational opportunity. You, you live in the residence hall with the guys, you go to meals with them, you lead a Bible study with them, uh, you, you are with them, you have the right to walk up and down the halls. It's a, a great way to do ministry, to, to share Christ with others. The only problem with this particular ministry, the Coalition for Christian Outreach, was it was based in Ohio, my home state, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia, the exact area I did not want to be in. I wanted out. Wanted to be in the West. So how was this going to happen? How was God going to work this out? Well, during this exploratory time of filling job applications, I was reading through the book of Acts. And in God's wise and sovereign ways, I came across this particular passage in the 16th chapter of the book of Acts. Little did I know how God was going to use the reading of his word, his perfect, infallible, unerring, authoritative word to, to give me the direction that I needed. Little did I realize how, like Isaiah, in Isaiah 55, 11, God's word would not return empty, that it would accomplish that which God purposes and that it shall succeed in the thing for which God sent it. So follow along with me if you've got your pew Bible open uh, to page 1096 and read with me as we read Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 10. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had the scene, and when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that your word is sharper than a two-edged sword, that by your word, by your work of the Holy Spirit, you speak to us today through your word. And so, Father, help me, help us uh, to sit under your word today. Teach us from your word and anything that might be erring from my mouth, remove from the ears of your people so that we might hear your truth and be guided in your ways, to seek your kingdom and your righteousness. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. 
Well, the reason I entitled my sermon, the, if you look in your bulletin, the five W's of Acts 16, and the reason I structured my introduction with my little flip cards, uh, was to remind us of the useful uh, Bible reading method of the five W's, the who, what, where, when, and why. And we're going to use that uh, method to look at our passage today, though I'll admit I'm going to be going in a little different order than the who, what, where, when, why. But let's start with the who. If you've got your Bible still open, you're going to see in verse 6, immediately Luke says, and they went. Well, who is they? Well, if we go back, as good Bible readers, if we go back and read the surrounding context, uh, it's always helpful to see uh, and read what's before. We see in chapter 15, verse 36, where Paul and Barnabas decide to go their separate ways. Uh, It's after the the Jerusalem council, uh, where they've been in Jerusalem. They've then, Paul and Barnabas have gone up to Antioch in Syria. And it's there that they have this this disagreement. They have this separation. Uh, They each have their own opinion of, of where to go. They specifically have a disagreement of who to bring with them. Barnabas wanted to bring uh, John Mark, uh, the author of the Gospel of Mark. Barnabas wanted to bring Mark with them onto this ministry, but Paul didn't agree. Paul felt that they should not bring Mark with them because Mark had apparently uh, left them, abandoned them on a previous mission. And so even in a sharp disagreement as the ESV notes in verse 39 of chapter 15, even in that sharp disagreement, God sovereignly worked through this quarrel. And instead of having one missions team, there's now two, and they've gone their separate ways. Paul takes, uh, or Barnabas takes Mark and goes to Cyprus, and Paul takes Silas and goes through Galatia. And so begins Paul's second missionary journey. And along the way, Paul and Silas, as we read in chapter 16, verse 1, they they pick up Timothy. They go through Derby and Lystra. They pick up the young disciple Timothy. So now Paul, Silas, and Timothy are together, about to embark on this second missionary journey. Now, when, when did this take place? Uh, scholars think it was sometime A.D. 48, 49. A.D., you will recall, is Latin for Anno Domini, which means in the year of our Lord. So sometime 48, 49 A.D. And where, where did Paul and Silas and Timothy go on this missionary journey? If you've got a, a study Bible with you, or maybe a, a pew Bible there, uh, if or if you've got a good map at home, I encourage you to, to look this up later. Uh, because it's amazing how even something like a map can bring to life God's Word. And how we can see God's Word come to life as we follow along with this route that Paul goes on. From Acts 15, the council in Jerusalem, Paul and his cohort, they leave Jerusalem. They go up to Antioch. Antioch's where they split. Paul then heads overland through the region of southern Galatia, where they pick up Timothy and 
in uh, Lystra. And so Paul and Silas and Timothy, they're going through what's called this region of Phrygian Galatia, part of what we would say modern-day Turkey. And that's where our passage picks up. That's where it starts to get exciting. They're going through this, this region of Phrygian Galatia. It'd be much like us saying we're going up to the Shenandoah Valley or we're going through the Piedmont. We, we use similar terms to describe our own local areas. And so for Paul, for Silas, or Timothy, they're going through this area of Phrygian Galatia, and they want to head west. They want to get into Asia, probably to get to Ephesus. Now, to us modern readers and listeners, when we hear Asia, we automatically think China or Japan, or at least I do. Um, when I hear Asia, I think China, Japan. But that's not, in, in this context, in the ancient historical context, Asia is a, another region of Turkey. And Paul's probably wanting to get to Ephesus. But what happens? We see in verse 6, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit. Well, that seems odd. They, Paul wants to do gospel ministry. Paul wants to share the truth of Christ. Why would the Holy Spirit prevent him from going into Asia? Well, well, we'll get to that in a minute. So Paul is not able to go to Asia. He's not able to go west to Asia. So he turns north to go through the region of Mysia with the goal of going into a, another ancient region, ancient territory, Bithynia. But again, they're prevented, as verse 7 says, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So they, having been prevented there, they go down to Troas. And this is where having a map, again, would be helpful. Going down to Troas. Troas was a, a Roman colony at sea level. And so Paul and his companions left the higher elevations of Mysia to go down to Troas, to go down to the sea. Troas was the, the European gateway, the connection to Macedonia, the connection to Greece, the connection to Europe. And so having nowhere else to go by land, it's here in verse 9 that Paul receives this famous vision to go to Europe, to go to Greece. But let's backtrack for a second. Let's go back to the who question. Let's look at who for a brief moment, because in our passage, we're not just looking at human players here. We are also, and most importantly, looking at and talking about God and his actions. I was talking with my father-in-law last night, and he was saying, you know, in some Bibles they say the title of the book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles. But he was saying, and I would agree with him, that in a lot of ways it'd be better titled the Acts of the Holy Spirit, because throughout the scriptures in the, in the book of Acts, we see God at work, the Holy Spirit at work. So Proverbs 16.9 reminds us that in a man's heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. Paul had planned a course in his heart, but the Lord is the one that's going to direct him in his steps. So look again at verse 6. It's the Holy Spirit who prevents Paul, forbids Paul from going 
into Asia. Look again in verse 7. It's the Spirit of Jesus that did not allow him to go into Bithynia. Look again in verse 9 through 10. Paul has a vision in the night of that Macedonian man. And so Paul sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So what do we see going on here? Or in other words, who are we seeing involved here? We see the Holy Spirit. We see the Spirit of Jesus. We see God at work. We see this embryonic Trinitarian faith of Luke, the writer of the book of Acts. Already we're seeing the Trinity at work and being written about in Paul's ministry. So why, why would we look at this passage today? Why would I bring this before us today? Well, one, it's in God's word, his inerrant, infallible word. Why is this passage important? Because it's uh, where we observe how Paul obeyed God. When, when God said no to his plans, we see how Paul responded. Why do we care where Paul traveled? Why do we care to figure out and understand these regions, these cities? Because for many of us, this is where it all begins. For our faith, anyone who, who claims a, a European background, heritage, anybody who's a, a Christian today, have Paul and his obedience to thank. Most of all, we have God to thank because he sent Paul in to Greece and into Europe, and the gospel then spreads from there. So we have God's divine ministry through Paul to thank for our own faith today, 2,000 years later. Just a, an awesome thought. This is the beginning of Paul's ministry to Europe. And so what? What, what did Paul do? What did Paul do, especially when God said no to his desires, his attempts to enter these various places? What can we learn when God says no to our own heart's desires and our own plans, our own vision? Well, first we see implicitly, not specifically in the text, but we can assume that Paul was praying. We can assume that Paul and his companions prayed about where they were to go. I mean, wouldn't you pray if the Holy Spirit is stopping you, the Spirit of Jesus is stopping you? Like, God, what, where do we go? Where, where do you want us to be? And so inevitably, Paul prays. Think back to 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Paul said, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Undoubtedly, his, Paul's heart for the Romans was also the same heart for the people of Asia, the people of Bithynia. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1, verse 10, God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his Son, is my witness. How constantly 
I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last, by God's will, the way may be opened for me to come to you. That was Paul's prayer for the church in Rome. But we can imagine Paul prayed that same prayer for all the regions that he wanted to visit, that he wanted to share the love of Christ. Paul knew to keep praying. When God said no, Paul prayed. When God said no, Paul also listened. If the trying God kept preventing him, we can assume that Paul kept asking and he kept listening. Paul kept listening and obeying not to go where God said no. Remember Jesus' words in Luke 11. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And so we can assume that Paul prayed. We can assume Paul listened That he kept listening as he kept knocking. He kept listening as he kept asking. He kept listening as he kept seeking. When God said no, Paul listened. When God said no, Paul also stayed put. Stayed put in the sense not that he just froze in paralysis and didn't move, but stayed put in the sense that he didn't disobey. He didn't go into a place He wasn't supposed to go. If you go back to chapter 15, we read these words Paul said to Barnabas in chapter 15, verse 36. Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. And so Paul is wanting to go back to those places that he's already been. He's wanting to go back to those cities, those churches that he's already visited previously. And he's doing it in a way where he respects that if God says no, then he keeps going on. Think about the Old Testament scenario in Numbers 13 and 14. God gives Moses uh, the call to gather 12 spies together to go spy out the promised land for 40 days. And so they go and they they spy out the promised land. They see how incredible it is. But they also see the giants. They see the fortified cities. They get scared. And so when they come back to give the report, 10 of the 12 spies, as you might recall, say, we shouldn't go. It's too hard. It'll be too dangerous. But Joshua and Caleb say, no, God is with us. Well, what happened to those ten spies? The ten spies, because of their disobedience, they die. And the, the rest of the Israelites see their response. And, it, and they change their mind. Okay, we, we should go. We should follow God's word. We should go into the promised land. But it was too late. They presumed. Moses wrote in Numbers 14.44, They presumed to go up to the heights of the hill country, although neither the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, nor Moses, departed out of the camp. Then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who lived in the hill country came down and defeated them and pursued them. 
So God told them to go. They said, no, we're not going to go. They see their leaders die. Then they decide, oh, maybe we should go. And by that time, God is not with them, and they're defeated. Who knows? Maybe Paul had these Israelites in mind. Paul knew not to presume to go where the Lord had not led. So when God said no, Paul stayed put. When God said no, Paul kept seeking first the kingdom. Paul kept seeking first God's righteousness, God's will. Remember Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Paul knew that he should keep ministering on the path that God was allowing him to go on. So cautiously, prayerfully, faithfully, he did the next thing. He kept moving through Phrygia and Galatia, through Mysia, and down to Troas. When God said no, Paul continued to seek God's kingdom. And through all of this, Paul remained open. Even though God kept saying no, Paul remained open to the Lord's leading. He had open hands with his plans, with his desire, with his hope. He allowed God's plan to take center stage. Paul might have had in mind the Lord's declaration that Ed read for us earlier in Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. Paul may have thought, for God's thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Paul recognized that God has his will, has his plans, has his desires. And when God said no, Paul remained open to God's plans. So how did Paul then respond when God ultimately said yes through that vision of the Macedonian man? How did Paul respond? We see that Paul responded in four ways. First, Paul used the the shared wisdom that he had with him. Look back in verse 10. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Remember how earlier in the sermon I pointed out in verses 6, Luke kept saying, they, they, they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia. They had come up to Mysia. Jesus, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. But then in verse 10, we start seeing that first person plural. We, us. Luke has joined Paul on this ministry. Luke has joined Paul and Silas and Timothy. And so Paul listens to that collective shared wisdom. When Paul had seen the mission, vision, immediately we sought to go on, concluding that God had called us. This was a, a group decision. Paul's team ministry, 
Paul's team philosophy looks much like Jesus' model of sending the disciples out two by two in Mark 6. And while we can't make this a, a hard and fast rule for ministers, churches, ministries today, there is wisdom when a team can be of two or more, where they can have that encouragement, that support, that accountability. Ecclesiastes certainly points to this wisdom In the fourth chapter, it says, Two are better than one. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls. And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. So how did Paul respond when God said yes? Paul used the shared wisdom of the group. Paul also used the common sense. All right, I had this vision. They invited me to come. I'm going to conclude this is where we're supposed to go. He used his common sense. How did Paul respond when God said yes? He continued to preach. He continued to share the gospel to them. Come over to Macedonia and help us. was a clear sign that Paul and his crew were to share the gospel there. So how did Paul respond when God said yes? He continued to serve, to preach the gospel. How did Paul respond when God said yes? Paul responded immediately. Look back at verse 10. When Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go. He saw the vision, he heard the need, and so they went. There was no need to throw out a, a fleece. There was no need to, to fast. There was no need to, to, to seek further debate. They had a clear direction now. And so immediately, they went. So today, as in Paul's day, we must hold our, our plans in tension with the reality of of what we sense God calling us to and and where God's calling us to, with the giftings that we have, we have to hold this intention with passages like James chapter 4. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. And clearly, that's how Paul responded. If it's the Lord's will, we'll go into Mysia. All right, the Holy Spirit prevented him. If the Lord's will, we'll go up to Bithynia. All right, the Spirit of Jesus prevented us. If it's the Lord's will, we'll go down to Troas. If it's the Lord's will... And now it is, we'll go into Macedonia, we'll go into Greece. And so begins Paul's second missionary journey. So for me then, going back to the story that I started with in our introduction, when I read this passage, Acts 16, 6 through 10, that night during my senior year of college, 
It was as if the, the word that the Holy Spirit spoke through his word and changed my heart, changed my attitude. I had this change of mind. If the Lord's will, then I will go where God leads. All the applications I'd put into ministries in Montana, Colorado, Idaho, nothing. Nothing came back. The door closed shut. It was like the Holy Spirit was forbidding it. And so that night I read Acts 16. Acts 16, 6 through 10. And instead of a Macedonian man, it was as if this college student was saying, hey, come, minister to us. Come over to Pennsylvania. Come over to Ohio and minister to us. And at that moment, as I was reading that passage, my heart was changed. My mind was open. That desire to go out west just kind of crumbled and dwindled away. I realized that my desire to go out west, to go out to the mountains, was like Paul's to go into Asia, into into Bithynia. I realized that my Macedonia man was this college student that the Lord brought to mind. And God was faithful While the doors were shut out west, lots of doors opened in this campus ministry organization in Ohio and Pennsylvania. Ultimately, the Lord led me to a a wonderful place to do campus ministry at a small college north of Pittsburgh. So this week, as we face different decisions that we have to make, may we walk by faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. May we live by faith. Galatians 2, 20. May we walk by the Spirit. Galatians 5, 16. And be led by the Spirit. Romans 8, 14. May we bear the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22. So that we can keep in step with the Spirit. Galatians 5, 25. May the triune God continue to lead us Continue to lead you in the decisions that you have to make. And may we have a sensitive heart to listen and to obey his call. Let's pray.